Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of the DSL podcast. My name is Thomas Scott, and each episode we will be uh, delving into various subjects in and around the world of electronic design and industrial computing. Uh, joining me today, I have the Managing Director of DSL, Rory Deer. Rory, how are you today? Uh, very good, thank you, Sam. Very good. Good, good. Good to hear. Um, the main topic for today is going to be in and around electronic design. Firstly, where I didn't know if you wanted to give people just a, an understanding of what DSL do, just an overview before we delve further into today's subject. Sure, sure. So we've been around 30 years. In fact, it's our 30th anniversary year. And we're typically helping companies without engineering teams or with engineering teams that are better served focusing on their core competencies to develop electronic products. Excellent, excellent. Well, as I mentioned there, the, the topic today is electronic design. Um, and essentially, what is electronic design and what do you need to know about it? Because I don't know if it's the case for you, Rory, but when people ask me what I do for a job, obviously in the, the days when you could socialize, uh, <laughs> you mentioned electronic design and everybody looked at you quite blankly and you, and you had to go into quite a monologue to get them to understand what you, what you actually do. Um, so I thought this episode would be a good opportunity to, to get that information out there. So if I was to say to you, Rory, what is electronic design? How would you, how would you sum it up if you were asked that question, if you can indeed sum it up? Sure. Yeah, I'll certainly, certainly try to summarize. I mean, it's the development of, a, of an electronic product at its core and typically involves both hardware and software development. So, and it generally starts with a PCB. So a PCB can be as fancy or as simple as you like, but it, it won't be able to do anything without any kind of instructions. Um, to me, that's where electrical and electronic can sometimes be used interchangeably. But to me, uh, electronic PCBs work on their own. Um, electronic PCBs need some guidance within there. They need some intelligence. They need some, some brain power. Okay, okay. And you mentioned DSL been going for 30 years now. Over the course of that 30 years, am I right in saying the complexity ranges in terms of the, the types of uh, projects that have been undertaken? Yeah, certainly. Yeah, the, the world gets ever complicated every year, doesn't it? And I mean, interestingly, everyone talks about the Internet of Things now um, as, as a new concept, but actually that's, that's a concept of communication that's been going for probably about the same time we have uh, yeah. the communication of devices to, to the wider world just repackaged in, in a new name. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I think for me as well, the, there used to be a very clear distinction between a, a microcontroller level product and, and a PC-based product. So a PC-based product would always have an operating system. It was, it was powerful and a microcontroller was normally used to do something simple, to, to count pulses, to do a basic calculation. But what you've seen in, in the last decade is, is microcontrollers have, have grown exponentially in power such that a lot of things that you, you'd look at today and think that, that has to be a computer processor actually runs off of a microcontroller. Okay, okay. Well, that's, that's interesting because what I wanted to focus on today was from the, the point of view of a, 
a customer, say a potential customer who, who has an idea but doesn't quite know what to do about it and where to go with it. So let's say I'm in the situation where I've got an idea for a sensor system, a proximity sensor system. Yeah. Um, it's an idea in my, my head. I don't know where to start really. I'm calling around companies, emailing companies. Is it possible you can break down the types of things that from the person who's got the idea, what they need to consider uh, mm. before going forward with their idea and feeling confident that, that they have the information to indeed go forward with that idea? Certainly. Um, I mean, the first thing I'd always say is, is to do some market research. We, we've had a number of inquiries in the past where clearly that hasn't been done and it's it's turned out the the brilliant idea they had in their heads actually already exists and amazon probably manufacture it yeah. um, so I, I would always start with with market research is there is there a place in the market for this product if there is how much is it going to cost what competitions out there in what ways could that competition be bettered uh, i think once you've you've got an understanding of that that, that starts to form what this product actually looks like. And from that, you can start to think about the, the functional elements of the product. So I, I think as a, as a person with an idea, you, you don't need to worry about what kind of processor it's having, down to what components are being used on the board. Um, you, you need to think of what does it actually do? Uh, I think once you've been able to define that, a company like us is able to help the how of how that's achieved. Um, so once you've you've decided functionally what what this product actually needs to do, you need to give a bit of thought to what it what it's going to look like. Um, if this is a call a commercial product, perhaps for consumers, the aesthetics of it can be incredibly important. Whereas if it's going to sit in a factory, and perhaps it's even going to sit in a locked cabinet, the aesthetics of it become far less important, and you probably don't want a fifty pounds uh, very expensive clever. PlayStation type enclosure for it if, if no one's ever going to see it. Um, feeding into that that kind of environment considerations is is what kind of ambient temperature is it going to operate in? Does it need to be able to cope with massive extremes of temperature? Is humidity a problem? Any of these any of these attributes? Um, perhaps there, there's a lot of dust in this environment. Perhaps there's even water. I mean, perhaps perhaps it even operates underwater. All of these kind of things need to come out in that that thinking phase as they can can really shape how the product needs to look and needs to be developed so i think in in summary there it's a case of really doing research into every single aspect of of your idea every single permutation before you you go to a company which will then obviously certainly in dsl's case uh, give DSL as much opportunity as possible to be able to provide feedback and progression as to hmm. how this might go forward? Yeah, I think ideally. I mean, I think I think one thing the industry's been guilty of and, and certainly DSL have been guilty of in the past is is an expectation of, of, a, of a lead, of an inquiry being at a, a certain level, whether that, that's technically or being that far down the path of, of defining what that product actually is. And I think we've come to realize over the years that not everyone's at that point and some of the best ideas of products come from people with with no experience of this whatsoever so you need to be able to, to bridge that gap between someone who's come up with an idea and us that ideally wants almost a, a 10 page document defining everything you can't have it both ways so certainly what we've done recently is we've been producing a template the 
asks you questions. So it's, perhaps it's what kind of environment is this going to be in? Is it is it hot? Is it cold? Is it wet? Is it dry? All those questions around the functional spec. So it, it just helps aid your thinking in terms of developing your idea and getting it to a point where someone can reasonably provide an estimated quotation, for example. And there's no value in a, in a company doing an estimated quotation between one and a million pounds. You, you need to understand how commercially viable this development is likely to be for you before you decide to push the button. Yeah, and, and I think as well what's in, important for people to realize is with electronics, when certainly at an estimating phase, they are just that. They are estimates. Things can change depending on on how the process goes, the requirement of the customer. Um, mm. So why, you know, while companies such as DSL, indeed any company, um, can give an estimate, I think people would need to not take it with a pinch of salt, but but realise that the estimates are just that. They are just estimates. Because do do you feel there's any any part because dsl have an 11 stage process hmm. would you say there's any i wouldn't say mistakes from a customer but misconceptions from a customer during a design process because one of the things that that i've uh, come across which maybe people aren't always aware of is for example the the prices of um, the cost of prototypes compared to hmm. actual production runs so, so there yeah. are any sort of examples like that which you can highlight now yeah no i think you've touched on a good point that, that any estimate is is fallible um estimating the amount of time it takes to do something i suppose as we know in our lives is is relatively easy um i suppose it depends if, if the wife says how long it's going to take and you say five minutes perhaps that's not <laughs> perhaps that's yeah. not as uh, as accurate and um, the problem with estimating unit costs is before you've actually even designed, before you've decided what, what processor it's going to use, before you've decided which ADCs it's going to use, or, or any of those components, you've you've almost got to have designed it before you're in a position to, to add, add up these components and come up with some estimates. So the problem stems, I suppose, often from people naturally wanting to have estimated unit prices uh, at stage one at the very first point, because if, if it's going to come out as twice the cost of the, the market can bear, then it's it's not commercially viable. But the company who's doing the estimates almost has to design it to be able to come up with that. So there's, there's always this disparity and, and you end up with quite a wide range. Um, having to touch on a, a point you made earlier about prototypes, we tend to say from experience that a, a prototype, a, a five off run of prototypes would give you a unit cost equivalent to three times the hundred off price, which is all well and good. And that's, that's quite, quite a nice little equation. But of course you then come straight back to, okay, well, how, how much does a hundred production <laughs> units cost? Mm. And if you need to understand that before the product's designed, you're in the same kind of loop. Okay. Okay. Well, it's, it's very helpful like the information you're providing now and and again if i'm say that i'm in a in a position where i've come up with a a winter light a sad light idea it's unique i've done my research i think there is a market for that um can you go through we, we, we've talked about DSL having an 11 step process. Can mm. you talk through the, the type of process that somebody would go through right through from, you know, my idea now I've got all of the information I need. I'm, I'm well researched. 
what would then happen if that person came to you and uh, I suppose using uh, customer jargon, but the, the customer journey that they mm. would um, they would go through. Sure, sure, and I'll do my best to summarise. I mean, I could probably probably talk about this stuff all day. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so so you've come to me. Your requirements completely defined. So the the first document you'd receive from us would be a design proposal. So this is is our interpretation of of your requirements definition in in a language that would be consistent throughout your your customer journey, for want of a better term, with us. Um, you would then approve that. Yet yeah, we fully understood your requirement. There's nothing we've omitted. There's nothing you've realized you haven't covered or, or perhaps we've pointed out that we, this needs defining. I mean, perhaps perhaps you haven't defined an ambient temperature range. So in that case, we can design a product that works from, from 0 to 50 or we can design a product that works from minus 40 to plus 85 and then the latter would be significantly more expensive. So <laughs> if it's yeah. never going to be at minus 40, you don't want to do that. So, that. so that's all about just getting the, the requirement defined and, and an agreement that we completely understand that. Once that's signed off, you then receive a, a quotation. Um, so that would set, that would set out the, the cost of the development. And the way that we work there is it, a fixed price quotation. So yeah. I mean, akin to, to your drive, I don't know if, you, if someone quoted you £4,000 to block pave your drive and you wouldn't expect them to, to knock on your door at the end of it and go, oh, sorry, actually it was 6000 so we think that's very important. Um, in the quotation as well, that this is where some of the estimated unit pricing can come out. Um, we tend to quote a range at that point for the reasons specified earlier that we can't we can't put a complete line in the sand at that point. But we can we can do our best, and and, and that's the best that anyone can do really. And mm -hmm. um, so once you've approved that quotation, so you're, you're happy with that, you would place a purchase order on us for the development, and the first step from us would be a project plan so this would lay out every stage of the project when it's expected to occur and and when you're required so as a customer you'd be required for sign off of key stages mm -hmm. and and that's that's an interesting topic of its own i suppose we have customers who are electronics gurus who would who would go through every document we produce with a fine tooth comb mm -hmm. uh, we also have customers that wouldn't understand what they're reading and and that state isn't for them to interrogate or approve our work it's to acknowledge that that stage has been complete okay. um, so the first stage is, is the design specification uh, it's the first document you'd receive so this is a very comprehensive and robust definition of the specification of your product and with, and the, the way, with, with, sorry. Sorry to interrupt, with the design no. specification what the, the difference between this and say the initial di design proposal you mentioned it mm. being a final document yeah. um, can you just elaborate as to, to how this is different? I mean, is this a case that this will, will contain everything to do with the design, including how it interacts with, with other, other things, the, the whole shebang, so to speak? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, the, the design proposal's purpose is, is to prove we've understood your requirement and to capture all of the necessary details from your requirement. The design specification is very much the what and the how. What okay. processor are we using? What interfaces are coming out? How are they coming out? How is this connected to this? Um, what temperature ranges are going to be operating in? How long does it need to be available for any of that other stuff? And the way we look at the design spec is when you've got prototypes produced, you should be able to lay your design specification on the same desk as your prototype mm -hmm. and read through that specification and, and just tick all the way through it. 
there should be no point on that design spec where where there's not a tick otherwise we won't have done our jobs properly yeah absolutely absolutely and then then from i suppose that that first stage is if you will is the communication between the customer that the company everything's documented and then it goes on to actually producing the uh, producing the design mm. um now i can see step six and, and seven you've got schematic design and the pcb design now what's the for people that don't know what's the the difference between those two sure sure so a schematic is is effectively a map of how all components connect to one another so you used the example earlier of a lamp which is is quite mm-hmm. a quite a nice and simple example so and it's and it's basic uh and it's basic form a lamp is a bulb and a battery or a, or a power source so the schematic would show the lamp itself where pluses where minuses um and then feeding off to the power source of of plus and negative um, whereas the PCB layout actually contains the size of the PCB, how the tracks are routed around the PCB. It's it's a, a virtual a virtualization of, of the physical PCB. And at the end, when the PCB is complete, you hand that off to a, a PCB manufacturer and, and you would get back your working board. Excellent. excellent. And then uh, from that point, uh, as the process states, it's onto the prototypes with which we've... Uh, touched on previously Mm. uh generally speaking i mean the success rate of prototypes i mean how many come out perfect how many need adjustment what can you put a a figure on it sure sure i mean i I would say it's it's a foolish or ill-informed man that that assumes the prototypes are 100 percent perfect yes the prototype is a prototyping is, is a testing phase there's only so much you can do through simulation during the PCB design phase. Um, so during prototyping, you're, you're testing your design, you're testing every function of your design and how they all interact with each other. You're testing that everything works across the full temperature range. You're testing for EMC emissions. Perhaps it's too noisy. Perhaps it's affecting other products mm-hmm. around it. Perhaps it's being affected by other products around it. So the prototyping phase is, is certainly a, a it's the physical way to, to test what you've done so far and to hone that into your final production unit. Okay, lovely. And then we, we talked about we've already had conversations previously at this point. The customer about the the environment is going in. Uh, step nine of the process is environmental uh, testing, which again you, you cover, you take care of. Yeah, yeah, I touched on that a little bit in in the previous uh, previous discussion. But yeah, we we have an environmental chamber here, so we can run that to uh, minus forty to probably plus a hundred. So most most of our designs aren't working in these kind of uh, environments, particularly ones with touch screens. There's not many <laughs> not many operators yeah. who like to work at those temperatures. Um, but yeah, it's all about making sure it's fit for purpose for the environment that it will live in. Absolutely, and then we, we get to. Uh, we've done the environmental testing and then towards the end i suppose of the the cycle of the design um you have the the manufacturing pack and product management now for for people that are unsure can you sum up what a manufacturing pack is what they can expect to receive so a manufacturing pack is is a zip file uh, in its simplest form and that contains all of the documentation relating to the design so at that point, you could you could take that manufacturing pack and, and run off into the hills and, and find anyone in the world 
that you would like to manufacture or design and that's that's really important because it's it's fundamentally important that people own the ip so that's the the intellectual property of, of the design they've created and that that will um, be the case for designs won't it that the, that's the case for everyone yeah. i mean the it's perhaps easier to think of it another way around that if, if you didn't own the ip you've spent all this money getting a, de, a product designed and then actually you don't have the freedom to manufacture that you can't yeah. consider it an asset of your company you've arguably spent that money for something to be available which you may or may not be able to buy exactly exactly and then i, I suppose that the last element of the process the production management uh, companies will just say offer the the design and the manufacturing pack other companies dsl included offer the production management as well um, can you uh, summarize the advantages of say keeping the production with with one company or even the the advantages of say going elsewhere just so people can can understand what they're deciding on yeah of course i mean um, just to, to reiterate on a previous point we we always want it to be that the client at this stage of the design has has the absolute freedom to go wherever they'd like to manufacture this but, but of course we we'd like to continue manufacturing it now yeah. we think that's beneficial because we are the designers so invariably questions come up when you're manufacturing i know x resistor isn't available can we use this alternative this part isn't available is this alternative acceptable this part's now gone obsolete how do we redesign that in has it got the same footprint can we change that in software so they're all they're all kind of i say i don't want to say daily but they're, they're regular issues that occur when you're manufacturing products particularly long term which which all of our customers are i mean the majority of our customers are industrial and they expect us to maybe be able to manufacture the exact same thing for 10, 20 years and they expect them to last as long as well. So having that, that expertise here to be able to ensure that the same product is produced every time and that the, the production deliveries are seamless, uh, I think is where, where differentiates us from, from just taking it to, to a, another manufacturer. Um, yeah. The other angle as well is yield. Um, no PCB manufacturer is perfect. You're, you're not going to receive, you're not going to order 10 or 100,000 of these and, and get 100% yield out of them, particularly out of the box. So the ability to, to fully understand the design and what's going on certainly helps you with troubleshooting where a, manuf a third party manufacturer without that, that embedded knowledge of the design may struggle and you may end up with those those units that don't work immediately off the line ended up having to go in the bin mm. yeah i mean that's my take on it if you've got the people dealing with the production who you know who who put the item together for me it's it's always going to be it's always going to be beneficial um but but hopefully as well for for the the people listening that just gives a bit of a a rough idea of of maybe what to expect maybe someone mm. does have an idea they're not sure what may be involved and hopefully listening listening to this would inform them yeah. a little bit more i mean and I, think, I think the main message i suppose i'd like to get across is, is that the, there's no such thing as stupid ideas and, and mm. we're all we're always willing to listen some of the ideas that you probably generate yourself you can't oh, no, maybe that's not so good but actually you think about it again you know like, oh, hold on there, there maybe is something in that and we we never charge people for, for any of these initial conversations we never charge people for any conversations actually yeah um, <laughs> so yeah and, and i think for us and for me actually i mean i find it really interesting what 
people are developing, what, what level of innovation is going on. And I'm seeing more of that at the moment with, with the lockdowns. It's almost like people have, people have been given some time to have, have a bit of thinking. And we're seeing lots of people come to us who have, who have never thought of getting anything manufactured or designed. Um, they've been sitting at home and said, ah, this would be a good idea. Let's explore yeah. it. No, no, and I agree. I think from my own personal point of view as well, it is interesting to hear these ideas. And even if uh, they come come to us or come to me at a stage where, yeah, they do need a bit more thought, um, hopefully, you know, that, that doesn't deter, but actually, you know, inspires them to to go on and, and put more more thought mm. into it to research where they need to, to, to then be able to get to the stage where they can run with it and hopefully get a successful product at the end of it. So, I mean, just in summary, is there, if you could give one tip to, to people listening when they have an idea, you know, what would that one, one tip be based on the, the conversation we've had today? Um, I think it would have to be research your market. I mean, I've personally been guilty of it. Oh, this would be a great idea. And in fact, I had a quite well, a famous to me idea about 10 years ago of producing this this watch that children wear. It was almost a pre-smartwatch times, but it was a watch where it had a, a two-way communication with a mobile phone and it had a panic button on it. And the concept was when your children are allowed out to play on their own, they can wear this watch. And, and if they're in trouble or if you need to contact them, you can do that, but it's not... It's not a multimedia device. They're not listening to music on it. They're not doing anything else other than it serving that purpose. And I, I didn't really research the market at the time. I assumed similar products existed. I sat on it for a while. And by the time I'd thought about it again, the market was flooded with these kind of devices. And yeah. potentially had I actually explored it a bit more at the time, um, yeah, it, it may have been a different story on that. Different story. Did. Well, Roy, thank you very much for today. Um, hopefully people have found that informative Uh, certainly if there's any questions from anybody listening uh, feel free to drop an email to sales at dsl-ltd.co.uk future episodes will be going along a similar theme Um, at points as well we'll we'll, uh, we'll have people on from different industries different sectors which can hopefully uh, add to the episode and, and seemingly as well if you have any ideas for anything you want to to for us to focus on for future episodes please in, include those in the emails and we'll we'll get through them and uh, and see what we can do but for the time being we'll uh, wish you a, a good day wherever you are and we will be back soon so thanks very much for listening excellent thank you cheers